Well, this is our fourth week of our series, Engage and Encounter. And as Nate mentioned, this week we are looking at the Psalms. So if you have the Bible app with you, you're welcome to head to the notes and the more on the bottom right and events, and you'll find us there. The purpose of this series has been for us to engage with Scripture that we may encounter Jesus. And it's been awesome digging into these themes and concepts in a new way. Um, And though our hope isn't just about learning new information, our real hope is that this drives us to encounter Jesus, to connect with him in a deeper way. We've been looking at the Bible as a library. What would you expect if you walked into a library, found your way to the poetry section, and pulled a book off? Any book. I'm guessing for many of us, poetry isn't necessarily a significant part of our day-to-day. So when it comes to engaging with poetry and encountering poetry, we may not necessarily read it and engage with it in the way that the writer intended. So we're going to pause for a minute and stop and think through poetry. How do we interpret and navigate poetry? It's different. It expresses ideas and feelings or tells a story in a specific form using rhythm, rhyme, repetition, imagery, metaphor, onomatopoeia. (laughs) Words are chosen for sound and beauty and their meaning to engage with the imagination. Poetry is also designed to be read aloud. So how about this for a second, a random sonnet for you? To me, fair friends, you can never be old, for as you were when first your eye I eyed, such seems your beauty still. Three winters cold have from the forest shook three summers pride. Three beauteous springs to yellow autumn turns. In the process of seasons have I seen three April perfumes and three hot Junes burned since first I saw you fresh, which yet are green. Ah, yet doth beauty like a dial hand steal from his figure and no pace perceived. So hath your sweet hue, which methinks doth still stand, hath motion and mine eye may be deceived. For fear of which, hear this, thou age unbred, ere you were born was beauty's summer dead. Now, I am certainly no Shakespeare guru. In fact, I've probably read it incorrectly, but it'd be fair to say there's a lot of context, a lot of understanding of the use of language, metaphorical text, that probably requires a fair bit of unpacking to adequately understand what Shakespeare is on about here. So when it comes to the Psalms, a book of poetry, we need to approach it a little differently to the way we would other areas of Scripture. There's a really clear theme that stood out to me in preparing for this message that I probably haven't looked at this closely before, and it's this, that in the Psalms, God's people, the Israelites, are waiting for their promised king. There's a theme of we will worship and praise God for who he is and what he has done while we wait for the Messiah. And if the Psalms speak of this journey that the Israelites are on to their promised king, what does that mean? How do they live while they are waiting? Life throws all sorts of things their way. And we see through the Psalms this tension of lament and praise. God, why don't you do something? Where are you anyway? Why are things so messed up? 
there is a clear vocal frustration from the, the writers in the Psalms asking God, why won't you send the Messiah? Can you make it right? Where is the rescuer, the saviour? And while waiting for the Messiah, there's this lament and frustration and longing for a different way that is very clear. And the Psalms begin with a large number of laments. And as we go through the book of Psalms, this shifts to a greater focus on praise. And we see the Israelites praising God. You are incredible. Your creation is astounding. You have given me so much. You have done so much and you are faithful. We praise you. And today, we don't live waiting for the promised king in the same way that the Israelites did. We live in light of Jesus coming to earth, his death, his resurrection, and ascension into heaven. But instead, we commonly share the waiting time as we live in the now, but not yet. Life with Jesus, following him, and awaiting his return. But yet, I'm so sure that we can all relate to the frustration and the brokenness that we see in our lives. As we've thought about this morning, we share that theme, the longing for things to be made right. For God, where are you? God, why are things broken? These questions the Israelites ask, we too ask. Perhaps today we look back over a longer period of history and can trace God's faithfulness throughout what we see and what we hear We can live a life today with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit enabling us to follow him. But this human wrestle of lament and praise is something we certainly can encounter today. As we discover more of who God is, his faithfulness, his character, his truth, we too are filled with gratitude and praise, thanking him for all he's done and can stop and think about how incredible he is and how amazing it is to have Jesus with us in our lives today. We can pray the Psalms to Jesus as we relate to him as our king and connect with him today. But let's stop for a second, zoom right out of the psalm, to the overall picture of the Psalms and take a quick snapshot of what's going on here. If you want to dive deeper into this, the Bible Project have put a couple of really great videos on YouTube that unpack more of this. But Psalms is a book of poetry, songs, and prayers written from the time of Moses through to the exile of the Israelites, nearly a thousand years later. After Israel's exile, these poems were collected and arranged with a very intentional message when it's read from beginning to end, this theme of the promised Messiah. The book structured into an introduction, five books, and a conclusion, which perhaps reflect the Torah, where books one to five have very similar themes from Genesis through to Deuteronomy. Many of the Psalms are written by King David, about a third are anonymous, and a few by other worship leaders. The Psalms are considered a guide for life of faith. They explore this theme foreshadowing God's provision of a messianic king. But we also see themes of lament and praise, faith and hope, creation, and God's faithfulness. The Psalms conclude with a five-part hallelujah where each psalm start and finish with the word hallelujah, which is a Hebrew word telling a group of people to praise Yah, or Yahweh, which is a command and an invitation to praise God together as a community. 
The Psalms, we would certainly know, wrestle with any number of emotions, do they not? We read of so many different emotions in this wrestle of the tension of a promised king coming, but the challenge of living for God in the waiting. So Psalms can be put into two categories, lament and praise. And I understand you've looked at lament quite a lot over the last few years. And it's so appropriate and important to do so. We see in the Psalms as a very real response to the world that we encounter. So lament are those, how long, O Lord, Psalms that dominate the first part of the book of Psalms. They're prayers of pain, of confusion, of anger at how horrible the world is and the horrible things that are happening to the poet. They certainly draw attention to what is wrong in the world and ask God to do something about it. And then we have praise that come through stronger, more clearly in the later parts of the Psalms. And they are prayers of joy and celebration, drawing attention to what is good in the world and retelling stories of what God has done in our lives and thanking him for it. But God is the same God in all of the Psalms. We respond to him in different ways, depending on our circumstances. God is worthy of our praise. He is with us in the joy and the pain and walks with us along the way. We can bring absolutely everything to God. No matter what we're feeling, he's ready for it. And this is a reminder too that the Psalms just aren't there for us to learn more about Jesus, but to encourage us to encounter Jesus in our lives. He invites us to bring everything to him that we may find him, meet with him, listen to him, and allow him to teach us and speak to us that we would encounter Jesus. So with this in mind, the promise of the messianic king, but the tension of how to be faithful in the waiting, what can we be mindful of as we go about engaging with the poetry of the Psalms? Do we often jump to, what's this for me, to connect our own emotion to the text before considering what's meant by the writer's intention, or the original readers for that matter? With that in mind, it's important to consider the ancient reader that these were written for in the first place, a very non-Western agricultural context, quite different from where we are today. It's important to consider the whole overall psalm when we read a psalm. It's, again, it's easy to be drawn to a particular line that jumps out to us, something that grabs our attention, our emotion, But if we only focus on that little part, we might often miss the whole point of where the psalm is going. You may very well know Psalm 42.1, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. If we only stopped there, it's very different from where the rest of that psalm goes. And by verse 9, the psalmist is in a very different place saying, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? Where are you, God? If we miss the overall picture, when we only focus on those feel-good bits, we can take a very different message through the Psalms. 
I think it's also meaningful to think about how the Psalms fits into the broader book of the Bible and the themes that come through in the whole Bible. And when we connect those bigger themes of creation, exodus, kingdom, um, sorry, kingdom, exile, and resurrection, hope, when we remember those big themes and consider them as we read the Psalms, we connect that to the bigger picture of the Bible and also connect the images of God to be consistent with his character across Scripture. When it comes to the language used in poetry and the literary tools, we see a lot of parallelisms, a lot of repetition, acrostic poems, imagery, and metaphors. But what is the imagery here talking about? What is it revealing to me about who God is? In Psalm 1, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Psalm 57, verse 1, Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. There is a picture here of that small bird sheltered under a huge, massive, protective wings where God is our protector, our shield, and our refuge. This imagery brings so much to connect us with the character of God. Often you'll hear the rock used throughout the Psalms, creating that idea of safety and security and refuge. You might also hear dogs written about in the Psalms. And in our view, we read the word dogs as an animal, as a pet. But back here in this context, they were wild and dangerous animals. And poetry is designed to be read aloud. Sometimes you see at the top of the psalm, Psalm 57, for example, underneath there might be a little to the tune of do not destroy in the case of Psalm 57. But psalms do take on a new meaning as they are read aloud. It was sung, declared to God. But sometimes we, chase, we read the Bible like a bite that we can grab that can fuel us to the next run of events we're chasing down. Do we not? The Psalms especially so. They feel bite-sized, quick and easy. Read through, there's a line that connects and grabs, a, and you grab a gem and pray and jump into what's next. But to fully soak up the poetry of the Psalms, We need to treat a psalm a bit more like a 12-course digestation, matching wines, if you wish, that takes three, four, five hours to truly rest in, to appreciate and soak up all the nuances of the flavour and step back and delight in what makes this meal so special much more so than perhaps a quick bite through a drive-through. Now, of course, in light of the illustrative use of the English language, this is simply an analogy, no no literal interpretation here. You don't need three or four or five hours to take in one poem. But that point of taking the time and the space to really soak in the meaning here Psalms are full of emotion, symbolism, and truth showing us who God is. They invite us to slow right down, to read over 
and over again to read as a prayer, to imagine Jesus praying these words as he did so often through his life, to mull over, listen to what, what Jesus is saying to you and to encounter Jesus. They deserve our time and the reward of resting and meditating on them. How different would our engagement be with the Psalms if we stopped to listen and to receive, to allow Jesus to speak and to encounter him? So how do we find Jesus in the Psalms? We often tend to, as I mentioned, apply the Psalms to our own emotions and find our own comfort and strength. But throughout the Psalms, there are many, many prophecies of who Jesus is. Some are clearer than the others. But in Luke 24, 44, Jesus appears to his disciples after he has risen from the dead, and he says this, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Psalm 110 is, in fact, the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Psalm 22, those words, Oh God, my God, why have you forsaken me? are here in the Psalms and in Matthew 27, 46. And Psalm 31, 5, Into your hands I commit my spirit. We know those words from Jesus on the cross. They convey the inward depths of the soul, of Jesus' soul, of his humanity. So we can read the Psalms to find Jesus, this promise of the messianic king, resurrection hope. And how do we not only learn of Jesus and find Jesus here, but how do we encounter him? Do you live knowing that Jesus is with you? that he wants to hear your tantrum and your outburst and your download, that he longs to comfort you, to speak to you, to lend you his strength? And what would it be, again, to imagine Jesus as the one praying these words or singing this psalm? Because we see that in Hebrews. He is one among us singing. But I invite you this week to imagine how you can encounter, the, encounter Jesus through the Psalms. And we're going to do that right now. We've got a video of Psalm 22. But before we jump into that, we'll take a look at um, some questions that I've put together for us to think about as we watch this video. And then we'll come back to them afterwards. So the first one, what might the overall idea be across the Psalm? And how does it connect with Jesus and the broader themes of the Bible? How does the psalm bring a fresh insight or imagination into how I view Jesus as my king? How does this psalm engage my mind, senses, emotions, imagination, heart, and body to encounter Jesus? How can encountering Jesus through this psalm enable me to experience that he is with me? He wants to hear everything that's going on for me. Is there something I can create, sing, draw, journal, write, pray to express my gratitude to God, to worship him for who he is and what he's done, or create space to listen and allow Jesus to speak to me? So if these are our questions, you don't need to remember all of them, but there might be one or two that connect with you that you might want to take in as you watch this video, and we're going to come back together and share about that afterwards. So.
Let's take a look. All right. You may want to pull out Psalm 22 as you come together with a couple of people around you, three or four people that are there, and um, take a few moments to look back through those questions. Again, not all of them, (laughs) perhaps one or two, Um, and, yeah, have some conversations about what stood out to you and what you are hearing as you encounter Jesus in this psalm. Alrighty, I hope those conversations have been interesting. I certainly found for me as I looked at Psalms through this lens that I started to read them a little differently and not go straight to my own emotional connection, but really stop and look back. And that Psalm in particular is full of a description of what Jesus went through and a great reminder of how we can find him and discover more of him in these Psalms. Hopefully as we've stepped back and looked at the Psalms and in that way, you um, can carry that through into your week this week. We've got the resource sheets on the desk at the back that you can collect, and I'd encourage you to do that. We've been putting them together not as a requirement, but purely as a tool that you can take into your week that you may encounter Jesus. There's a different psalm for each day and different ways to engage with them too. You might like to listen to the psalm read it out loud, read them in creation as well. The Psalms are full of um, creation as a significant part of that story. So all sorts of different ways. But love for you to really um, be intentional about creating space to encounter Jesus this week and watch and see what he does and to share those stories with each other too because that is such a great encouragement of how God is at work in our lives and we see his faithfulness and we too can praise him and worship him because of who he is and all he has done. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're our God. We thank you for your incredible creation that we often don't enjoy enough of. We thank you for sending Jesus that we may know him and we may live our lives for him and with him. We thank you that you are our rock, our strength and our strong tower that we can run to and find comfort in. We thank you that we can turn to you with gratitude and thankfulness for who you are and all you have faithfully done. God, we ask that you'll help us to slow down this week, to take the Psalms, but to seek you, that we may find you and encounter Jesus in whatever life brings our way. Help us to create space to seek you, that we may worship you and thank you for the endless good things that you give us and we may find you and lead us to know you and love you more each day. In Jesus' name, amen.